I got voluntold to go to church. Anybody ever been voluntold? My parents acted like I actually had a choice. They asked me if I wanted to go. Even if I said no, they said, good, we're going to go. It's not like I had a choice, but they voluntold me that I got to. My dad said, you don't have to, you get to. Oh, boy. And I praise God for that, for, for family, uh, for my parents, voluntelling me that all those times. And we're connected to go. We're in our fourth, our fourth uh, sermon in Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to be there in just a second. We're going to start in verse 8. But before we get there, I want to tell you about some really cool, awesome, amazing, incredible, God-sized, gigantic, big, also large things that are going on at Connection. I didn't always want to go to church. But this morning I woke up and you know what happened? I couldn't wait to get here. You know why? Because God is still in the business of changing people's lives, and I get to be a part of that. And so do you when you connect with other people in a church setting. God is moving in great, great big ways here at Connection. Uh, for those of you that, uh, that you can see in the, in the worship handout, if you open this up... Now, I want, I want us to all maintain a civil celebration for this, okay? But it is fall, praise the Lord. Um, no more 90 degree heat, we hope. Uh, I know some of you are like, I want to move to South Beach, Miami. Okay. Uh, don't really, we like you here. Stay here. Okay, but it is fall. Um, but if you look at our dunk party, check this out. In the middle, in the, the second from the bottom. Dunk party is October 23rd. If you or somebody that you know in your family, maybe is a follower of Christ, but you've never been baptized, we're going to have a dunk party that day. We have one service at 10 a.m. Okay, one service, 10 a.m. Don't show up at 9, don't show up at 11. You're going to be early, really early, or really late. Okay, 10 a.m. on the 23rd. That's not next week, it's the following. This is what we're going to do. We're going to dunk people. We're going to celebrate the new life that Christ has given us that we also get to study today in Colossians 2 about what it means to be baptized, what it means to be raised with new life, and hallelujah, what it means... If you understand where I'm coming from here, and we sang that last song, if you understand what it's like to be in prison on this earth and to sin, and when Jesus breaks your chains, it is exciting. It's exciting to look backwards and go, man, I used to be there, but not anymore. Because I'm a child of the one true king, right? Wow, it's really, it's really funny how those songs go right in correlation. Uh, if you don't think that Jack and I work together on that, uh, you're mistaken. On purpose. But we're going to have a dunk party. This is what we're going to do. We're going to dunk people. <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? Celebrating new life. But the good thing, the, 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 the thing that people at Connection go, Oh, I can't wait for a dunk party. I can't wait for a dunk party. I can't wait for a dunk. You know what they're thinking about? Food. Wings. <laughs> Wings. So, we're going to throw something else a little bit different. We are going to not... If the weather coordinates and cooperates, so just pray. On the 23rd of October, we are going to go outside. We're going to have a huge bonfire in Wiener Rose, s'mores. You know, enjoy the fall weather. Uh, if you have wiffle ball, frisbee, volleyball, bocce ball, uh, yard darts that are safe. <laughs> Anybody ever play with the old school yard darts? Man, those are fun. I can't believe we're all still here. Okay? <laughs> so fun, so sharp. Okay? Tetanus just thrived in the 80s and 90s. Okay, anyway, we're going to go outside. We're going to have a huge bonfire. We're going to sell a volleyball net out here. Okay, we're just going to enjoy the fall day. We're going to probably be here until 1.30, 2 o'clock. Um, 
And instead of bringing the normal food, we will just ask you to bring something to drink, like a gallon of tea or a two liter of soda and a bag of chips. Okay? And we're going to make all the, we're going to do all the hot dogs and, and I'm going to ask the people to play with fire to start the fire. And I know we've already had volunteers for this. Okay? So anyway, the, on the, below that is first step. That's the next Sunday. That's on the 30th of October. That is, this is when you can get more information. If you think that connection is a place that God wants you to plug in as a church, to become a member, we're gonna, I, uh, you can come contact me, please. I have to make a booklet for you. Uh, we have some, but I'm not sure that we have enough. I need to make sure that we have enough. Uh, and I can tell you where we're going to meet. That'll be in the next a couple weeks uh, in the worship handout. But right in the middle, in the dark, bold print, I told you to be watching, Community Loving. There will be a Community Loving opportunity this Saturday, October 15th. <sighs> Does anybody have connection added to their Facebook? People. Social media. This is how people... Okay. So, we're going to put that on there, but uh, 1230, we're going to meet at the Roland Lewis building at Veterans Park. Don't tell anybody. This is a surprise. Okay? You've been trusted with a secret. Okay? And so, Roland, Roland Lewis building, Saturday, 1230. And some of you right now are going, well, what are you going to do? I'm not telling you. Show up and find out. Okay, I can't. I, you know, here's here's the guarantee, though. I've never been to community love, and I didn't leave more blessed than what I thought that I bless other people. God uses these the, to affect our community for us to to get out and to go. Oh wow, that's a sermon, right? Okay. For the dunk party, you have a couple instructions. Number one, bring any cool outside game. No yard darts. Okay? No, no sharp ones. All right? Uh, but bring your lawn chairs. Okay? Bring all the lawn chairs you have. Um, and be ready to come and have some fun with us. I want to look backwards a little bit. We got to celebrate something Friday that was pretty special. Many of you liked it on Facebook, and I didn't put it on there. I, I don't post things on Facebook to, to be a popularity contest. Say, oh, I got 100 likes on this. But I just wanted to share with you because sometimes dates just slip by and we don't, re- we don't realize it. But on Friday, it was October 7th, and Connection turned 9. That's a big deal because because God is good. Nine years. First of all, I can't believe that. I can't. I can't. I really can't believe that. The first time that I was at Connection, I, I was I was playing guitar. I mean, it was so sophisticated for the worship. Okay, Mike handed out little pieces of paper with the lyrics of the songs on them because we didn't have a projector yet. It was awesome. <laughs> and, and and I think I played four chords the whole service. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> But people showed up and they continue to show up and they continue to live in love like Jesus. And we've, we've seen some people go away. We've seen some people pass away. We've seen new people come. And God is good. God has changed my entire life by this church and you people. I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thanks that I get to serve with you. What an opportunity we have here at our church. Nine years. I can't imagine. That was quick. I just sat back on Friday and Saturday and I was remembering at what all God has done. Some of you may not remember this, but I, I can tell you right now that we, we've seen, number one, through our Celebrate Recovery program, we've seen lives completely changed. Number two, I remember one Sunday. <laughs> 
that there was a cancer scare with one of our people, a young person. And we all turned around and we got on our faces on our chairs and we prayed. And I remember young people being involved in youth group. And I remember adults being at their homes and being invaded by the Holy Spirit and what God was teaching them at Connection. And they turned their lives over to Christ. I remember going down to the Rin Lake Aquatic Center and dunking people in the college swimming pool. And then we ate food like crazy. And the lifeguards that were sitting beside the pool were thinking the whole time, what are these people doing? I remember doing all kinds of cool things. We've seen an expansion of connect groups from about three or four to nine to possibly bigger in the next few months. We've seen an expansion to connect groups to college campuses. And I want to share with you a really, 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 really good insight on this. None of this has anything to do with you or me. It has everything to do with God. Without God, connection has not existed this long. And without your help and your service and your sacrifice, we haven't either. See, this is vitally important. God knew exactly what I was going to preach because we're getting ready to be in Colossians. And Paul says almost the same thing. Instead of us being a new, new Christians or a new church, Paul's talking to new believers here. I want you to understand that God is still in the business of healing, of breaking chains, of breaking addiction, of healing marriages, of healing relationships, of healing hurt feelings. He's still in that business. So if you're here today, I want to reiterate a song that we just heard. I want you to listen to this. If you have pain, Jesus is a Tylenol, right? He's the pain taker, awayer. He takes the pain. If you have the pain, He's a pain taker. If you're lost, Jesus is the GPS. He's a way maker. If you need freedom... This is my favorite one. I remember the story in the New Testament about what happened to Paul when he was in prison. You remember that? And he was in jail. Listen, I love this. It says, when, you're, when you need freedom, he's a prison-shaking Savior. Some of us have got to experience some of those times in our life where we were literally in, in a spiritual prison and we watched the power of God and our family praying for us that God literally walked up and just shook the snot out of that thing, didn't He? And it came falling down. And now we get to step out in that freedom and say, listen, if you want freedom and you, and you feel trapped, let me tell you something. I can tell you where to go. I'm not perfect, but I know the one who is. And if you have chains, he's a chain breaker. Now, why is that song so important? Because it's this. You ready? It's absolutely 100% completely true. You know why? Because this says so. It says, it says, do not lean on your own understanding, but what? Trust God. Trust God. We get in trouble when we think for ourselves, don't we? Uh oh. That just shifted gears on you a little bit, didn't it? We get, tr- we get in trouble when we think for ourselves. This is what we should do. Look at your first worship handout blank um, in, the, in your worship handout. Check out this first blank. We need to fill our minds. With the truth of God's word. Now, some of you, some of you veteran followers of Jesus are like, well, duh. I got all the Philippians and Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians memorized. Well, that's awesome. 
And that's good. And those are weapons for, for certainly certain times in your life. But we need to fill our mind. Filling doesn't mean partially partaking when we feel like it. Now, I want you to get that. Filling it does not mean partially partaking when we feel like it. It means filling. It means filling up, pouring into. And believe it or not, it's been scientifically proven that you cannot learn God's Word simply by putting it on your head and let it osmotically come into your Bible. I am, why am I popping? I'm sorry. But you cannot, you cannot rest God's Word on your hand and let, let it soak in, Lord. No! He says, I want you to, watch this, open it, and I want you to eat it. Don't eat the pages. Okay? I want you to I want you I want you to, to get those words into your into your body and I want them to permeate your body. I want to, I want you to be filled up. Oftentimes when you and I think for ourselves, it doesn't end well. True or false? Yeah, true. Good. Good, good. Often when we think for ourselves, it often does not come out correctly. We listen to ourselves. This is what we this is what we will do. God is the last option often. No idea what's making me pop. God is the last option oftentimes. This is what we will do. We will listen to ourselves almost indefinitely. Then we will listen to people, listen to me. We will listen to people that we know will give us the answer that we want to hear. Then we will listen to people that will give us partially what we want to hear. Then we might talk to our parents. Then we might talk to some godly people. Listen, I'm telling you, the godliest person, the godliest human on this planet is nowhere close to how how good God is. God is the last option sometimes. And God says, no, you have that in complete reverse order. I am to be first. Because if you would have came to me first, you wouldn't be here now. We have to listen and we have to fill our heads and our hearts with the truth of God. Because false information can get you in trouble spiritually. It can tear you down, false information. You, somebody just, man, you ask somebody to give you an opinion because they're a yes person, it does nothing for you. It builds you up a little bit more so you can fall further, I guess. Look in your Bibles with me. If you're an underliner... If you, have, if you want to underline some scripture, we've got some stuff today. Look at verse 8 in chapter 2 of Colossians. If, you're, if you are... See, Paul's dealing with the same thing. These people, these people are listening to these false teachers. These false teachers are trying to permeate the church. They're trying to teach false things about God. And Paul is not even here in Coloss, Colossae, Coloss, however you want to pronounce it. He's not even here, but he hears what's going on and he has such compassion and passion to spread the gospel and for the truth of God that he writes to them and look what he says in verse 8. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. Look at that. Paul doesn't cut any corners here. He goes, this is untrue and it's nonsense. Wow. If you underline things, do not let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. Look where they come from. They come from human thinking. And they come from the spiritual powers of this world. He's talking about evil powers. He's talking about Satan, demonic power, not 
rather than from Christ. We have one answer to any problem that you come in contact with. And it's not me, myself, or I. It's Jesus Christ. Don't let anybody capture you. Don't let anybody tell you different. This world will will spin it. These people tried to spin it. They said there's no way that God the Creator would come and die for His creation. Now, while that doesn't make any sense to me, God's Word says it. And we believe it. When we seek out human answers for our problems... This is what you're doing. Sometimes we don't think about this, but when Paul, being pretty concrete right here, he's calling it nonsense. I'm going to call it nonsense too, but this is what you do. When you provide human thinking, this is what you're doing. You're saying, God, I don't care. You're disregarding his whole entire opinion. Guess what? He's the one that owns the instruction manual on your life. He created you. He knows how your machine works. Why would we not seek him? But we don't. I'm often reminded of mentoring verses. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. You ever had a, listen to this. Have you ever had a bad day simply because you woke up in a bad mood and you wouldn't think any differently? Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. If you go... I know there's a person here. There's a person here. It doesn't matter who they are. But when it comes time to pay property taxes, they sit in their truck. This is a really weird person. Because they do something that's really hard for me to do. They sit in their truck and they begin to listen to Christian music and they begin to whistle. And then they walk in and they might be, they might be the happiest person on the outside that those people see all day long. And he pays property tax. And he says something, he goes, sometimes it takes a little more, a little more whistling. I said, I understand. But he says, says, listen, we don't think about, we think about other people. He also went on to tell me, he said, everywhere I go, I represent Christ. Even if I'm doing that, everywhere I go, then this is a huge lesson. Be careful how you think. Now, a normal person would walk in upset because we had to pay property tax. There. And you leave. Like this, this one completely immature person that got a, they got a ticket on, there's a video on Facebook and he pays a ticket in pennies. Let me tell you right now, I'm 36 years old. My dad is 59. If he saw me do that, he would come and find me. <laughs> hey, that's just immaturity. Quit. He broke the law. Pay the fine. But we walk in and we're like, You know what, sometimes, 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 seriously, because of your attitude, God, in, God says in His Word, He says, I love a cheerful giver. Sometimes we can be that way even in God's house. Your attitude from the drive here. Don't elbow your mate right now. You know how you were in the car. It's impossible to listen to anything except what you want to listen to in this vehicle. Blah, 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 blah. I know it all. It's the exact time that Satan would love to attack you right before you worship the King of Kings. He wants to get you completely sidetracked. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Do not lean on your own understanding. Period. Why? You didn't write the instruction manual. You don't know how you work. Man. Paul is speaking to these new followers. Look at verses 9 and 10. I love this. Verse 9, For in Christ 
lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Now Paul's talking about the the human Jesus, the God-man that came to this earth for roughly 33 years. This is awesome. Because it says right here in Scripture, Paul's reiterating a truth. He's teaching against false teachings. He says this, this is a huge deal. It's a huge dent in the false teachings mindset. Christ lives in the fullness of God in the human body. So that means Jesus as a man, this is unreal. Jesus as a man had the complete fullness of God on the inside. Now how do we know that? Well, we can read in the Bible that He does, he does miracles. A mere human Without God's power, cannot do this. And we see this, this, this awesome... He walks on water. That was neat. He calms a storm in, in Mark. I love this. He goes out. Then the disciples are like, we're going to die, we're going to die. And he goes, chill out, wind. And, you know, and, they, and they even say, they say, well, people have, people have done some crazy stuff, but nobody can control the weather. And Jesus just controlled the weather. Yeah, because He has ultimate authority. Because He has the fullness of God on the inside. So this means this. If you have a relationship with Christ, no pressure. You have the fullness of God inside of you. I did not say, go over to the little Wabash between Albion and Mount Carmel and go, I have the fullness of God. I can run across the little Wabash. No, you can't. You can't. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this. Every answer that you need lives inside of you. But too often we want to choose the dead man. Who we used to be. Oh, it's more convenient if we do this. It's, more, it's, it's a lot easier if we get even with somebody rather than forgive them. Listen, I've been there. It's a lot easier. We can do what ourselves wants to do. That'd be easy. Look at verse 10. So you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. Listen, as a pastor... As a leader, just because I have, just because I have that title, people think automatic, automatically, stereotype me and other people that are pastors, and they, 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 they assume that I have a doctorate in the Bible, because that's, you're a preacher, you have a doctorate in the Bible, you know it all. Okay? No, I don't. I have to find a book to look. But I get asked often, often, especially this time of year, especially on election year, what do you think about the candidates? I am very, very obliged to say what Franklin Graham said. Both candidates are flawed. He doesn't go after side for side. You know what he says? They're both human. That means they're flawed. At the end of the day, Jesus Christ is still the king. And that's as political as I'm getting. Because that's crazy. Jesus is it. God, the head of our our body, the head of our church. See, Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. People are always looking now to improve themselves. In a couple, I I can guarantee, you ready? In two months' time, maybe before that, you will see more. If you think you're sick of election stuff... Wait till the new year gets here and you have to see about 85,000 commercials for hydroxycut so you can lose weight in the new year. <laughs> Isn't this correct? Listen, everybody wants, they want to better themselves. And listen, the only way that you're going to better yourself is not being a gym rat, which is healthy, but what is, you better yourself by becoming closer to God. 
And Paul is begging these people. He said, listen, don't listen to these satellite people on the outside of your community teaching falsely. Get closer to God. It shouldn't drag you away. It should push you closer. We have the presence of God in our life to guide us, to help us, to comfort us, to love us, so that we can express that to other people. And that, was, that is a, a main goal of our church. Look at verse 11. It says, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. This is a Jewish tradition. Okay? A, a cutting away, it was representing a cutting away of something that didn't need, need to be there. Now, this is, this is really awesome. Instead of this happening, when we came to Christ, when we became followers of Christ, our name was written down. In a book that will never go away. And God's name was engraved on our heart. Hey, you're not going to see it in an x-ray. Hey, I've seen an x-ray in my heart. It's not there. Okay? But he, we desperately, desperately need Him. He's saying this. He goes on. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of your sinful nature. I don't know about you. But whenever I see this verse, I read this verse, realize what this verse means, it makes me want to be very happy. Think about the old self. Yours. You don't know me. Think about your old sinful nature. If you're a follower of Jesus and He cut that away, is that a good thing? Yeah, everybody's going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look at verse 12. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with Him you were raised to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. This is why dunked parties are so awesome to visually see. It's so amazing. And if, you can, if you've never been to a dunk party at Connection, we invite the family or friends of that person who's getting baptized. They come right here. It's like SeaWorld. They're in a splash zone. They're right here. And they're, hang, they're hanging out. On the, on the screen, we have a video camera that shows me baptizing or, or the dad or the somebody else that's baptizing that person in, in the water. It's out here. And it's, it's, a be- it's, the mo- it's one of the most beautiful things that has ever been, that my eyes have ever seen. Every single time. It's that old person standing up in the water representing your old life. It's an external representation of what's happened inside. And that dead person is standing there. And we baptize that person under the water representing Jesus going into the grave. And we pull them up out of the water representing the new life and Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And the old person is gone. It's gone. I know, some of you are like, well, it doesn't really go away. Sometimes that old person likes to come out. Anybody ever been there? Let me tell you the easiest way for for some of us, for that person to just come flying out. You ready? You're driving down Route 15. You're about 45 yards from an intersection. Somebody just pulls out in front of you, nice and slow. That person comes to the surface rather fast. Rather fast. Okay. We can, we, that person can come charging back. Satan would love for you to entertain this stuff. When we do what we want to do, it's often easier, but doing what God wants us to do is often what we should do, in fact. Look at verse 12. You're buried with Christ. When you're baptized, raise a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. We've sang a song like this before. Look at the next worship handout. Look at the blank. 
God makes everything new. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where if my, if my body was metaphorically a car, it's time to go to the junkyard. Spiritually. I'm not there. I'm not new status. I'm not even slightly gently used status. I'm not even in Kelly Blue Book because they don't want to give me a price. Because I've messed up. Listen, we, get, we had this guarantee that God makes everything new. When we start a relationship with Jesus, we are a brand new creation. This is important for these people to know that Paul's talking to. He's saying, you need to listen to me and you need to close your mouth and listen to these words. And then whenever, I, whenever you read these, you need to put them in. You need to put them in right now. In my notes, I have off to the side, sometimes, sometimes I read you the notes. Other times they're kind of just encouraging things for me uh, as, I, as I preach. Because sometimes it's very hard. To say what I have to say, what God's given me to say. And in here I said that, that when God makes everything new and off to the side, it just, it just says, thank you Jesus for my new life. When is the last time that you authentically, sincerely just thank God for what He's done for you? I know you can wake up, well God, thanks for this day. I did this morning, believe me, with this weather. Hey, I'm a hunter. This is nice weather. I don't have to sweat outside. This is, and I said, God, this is a beautiful day. But I can't wait to be with my connection people. The connectionite people. I can't wait. Thank you, God, for them. See, the old self likes to pop up. Satan wants to put in your mind doubt. People come to me and say they start a relationship with Christ. They ask Jesus Christ to come into their heart. I will tell them this. I said, when you get home or right now, you need to get out a pen, you need to get a piece of paper, and you need to write down exactly what you did. Because in 30 minutes, an hour, three days, a week, a month, something else, later, Satan is going to come back to you and he's going to say, you didn't really mean that, did you? I have a Bible at home. I flip it open. It's black. It has my name in gold. Gold, gold leaf stamp print. I open up that thing and it says right here, August 13th, 1987, Matthew Griswold knelt by the couch on Rural Route 3, Box 154 in Albany, Illinois and asked Jesus Christ to come into his heart and to save him. And you have no idea how many times I've had to go back and read that. There's, doubt is something that is implanted in Everyone. It can affect everyone. And what Satan wants to do, he says, oh, just doubt a little bit. Then you won't trust him anymore. Listen, I'm not going to go away. That's what God says. I'm not going to go away. He said, I'm, uh, you're mine. See, when there is doubt, when this happens, we should go to God's Word. And we need to read what He says. In verse 12, just reading again, you don't have to go back, but in verse 12, listen to these words again after you heard this, this everything new verse. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with Him you were raised to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Jesus from the dead. I love this song. If, you, if, you're, if you're a song... But I, lo- I love this song. The lyrics in this song says, The same power that conquered the grave lives in me. That's a big deal. There is no World Series, no Super Bowl ring, no NASCAR winning whatever they win. Trophy, I think, money. 
There's no money, there's no house, there's no boat, there's no deer, there's no animal, there's no vacation. There is nothing that compares to that. There is nothing that compares to being owned by the King of Kings. You're bought. The last song that we sang. The second line says, You came for hypocrites, even one like me. If there was ever a song, I told Jack this, I said, if there is ever a song that I feel like I could just pull myself out of this and plug it into a song, it's that one. I got all that down. Being a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, I've never been to prison about being a criminal, but I am, I, I've, broke, I've broken speed limits. I've broken the law before. He came for me. Why? Why? Because He loves us. And He wants to give us new life. Look at verse 13. You were dead. Holy smoke. He does not pull punches here. He says this, you were dead. You were absolutely unconscious, dead, flatline, no anything. You're dead. For the wages of sin is what? Death. Congratulations. The wages, what you earn, what you get paid for doing sin is death. Period. Look in Romans. It's, it's death. So Paul says this, You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. That's called being totally, I'm going to use a seminary word, it's called totally depraved. That means you cannot earn good by yourself. You can't do it. It's not going to happen. You are hopeless. You have to have God. You have to. I'm glad that God put it in that kind of situation. Because if I might, there's a good chance that I might not choose Him. But I've, I was reminded of a story. I was told of a story that my grandpa preached, and I never heard this. But a guy in our church was sharing with me last night. He said, I heard your grandpa preach one time. And he was talking about the 99 sheep. When the one goes off, the shepherd leaves the 99 and he goes against, goes against that sheep. You know why? Because sheep are stupid. Okay? That's funny, but they're just dumb. They'll just wander off. And he says this. Well, my grandma made another point. And this comes from his farming background and, and from what he studied about that. But he said if, if that same sheep did it again, the shepherd would break his leg. So he couldn't. Now, this is a big deal. And the point of his the point the point of his sermon was don't let God don't make God break your leg. Now that's just a metaphor, okay? But don't keep following what you want to keep following. The shepherd will come and get you, but sometimes he puts you in a situation that you have to look at him. I'm very thankful for that. Otherwise, I'm probably not here today. I'm very thankful that God put His thumb on me because without Him doing that, there's a good chance that I would not be looking at you right now. Why does God love us? Because He loves us? <laughs> Maybe one day I'll get that answer. There's no seminary that can explain that to you. He makes everything new. Look at this. Look at the next part. Oh, man. He says, Then... Underline then. I love this. Then God made you alive. No! God made you alive! Can you imagine what it was like the first time that God breathed air into Adam's nostrils and created the first human on this planet? Can you imagine that depth of... Wow! This huge newness, the freshness of life. 
A baby scream when they're born. That first, I'm in the world. God made you alive. He metaphorically and spiritually raised you from spiritual death. We should party. This is a big deal. We should go eat chicken wings. Because you eat chicken wings always. Okay? This is a big deal. Look, because this, look at what he does. He forgave all of our sin. In verse 14, I can't even, I can't even explain to you what this means. Look at verse 14. He, listen, you put your life right here. Like I did this week when I was studying this. You put your life right here. You look at that and you read your name here. It says, he canceled the record of your charges, of the charges against me and you. And he took it away by nailing it to the cross. It is more valuable than anything on this world. It is more valuable than the sum of everything ever created on this world. The fact that I was spiritually dead and Jesus, the Creator, came to die for the creation and He nailed my sin onto His body on a tree that He grew. (sighs) It's better than chicken wings. This is my hope. This is my hope. Look at verse 15. You want to talk about Paul getting a little bit, little bit snippy? Watch this. He said, in this way, but this is Jesus. This is, the he is Jesus. He disarmed. You know what happens when you disarm somebody? They can't hurt you. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. For three days, Satan had a party on this planet. You know why? Jesus is dead. Jesus is dead. He's dancing all the way around the world. Oh yeah, we won. We won. We won. I knew it. We just had to have him put it to death. And then on the third day, when Satan heard that rumbling down in the ground, can you imagine when God looked down and He said, "Oh no, 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 no." He paid a price, and now He gets to come back to life because I'm God. And when He came from the ground, not only were your sins paid for, but He conquered the most unconquerable thing on our, in our minds, and it's death. He conquers it. And He says, He shamed them publicly. People say they believe in God. Oh well, even the demons believe in God. Do you follow Him? Ah, the road is a little bit dark. There's a couple potholes down the following Jesus road. This other one, he's got a four-lane, nice and easy, smooth path. Listen, Jesus says this. He says, the road to follow me is tough, it's small, and it's difficult. But it's worth it. By the way, if you, if you like geography in the city, when they led Jesus out to crucify him, I know this is not ironic and it won't shock most of you, but some of you may not know this. He went out a particular gate that's named in the city to go up to Golgotha. Do you know what that is? It's called the Sheep Gate. Shocker. They led him out of the Sheep Gate. Why? Because he was the Holy Lamb. And then they just beat him. This is what Paul is trying to get through to these people. And he said, listen, when you understand how much you're loved and how much the price was paid for you, you're going to do whatever it takes to further that message. Forget the false stuff. Forget the things that don't matter. We call those shallow water. If it's something in the shallow water, don't even discuss it. Just root in God's Word. 
Man, I love this. Look at 16. Don't let anybody condemn you for what you eat or drink or do not celebrate or, uh, for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. And I know, some of you are like, well, this gives us license to do whatever we want. No, it doesn't. Paul even says later, he says, he says should we continue doing these things? Absolutely not. What he's talking about is the ceremonies. What he's really talking about is this. He's speaking, Paul is speaking against legalism with Pharisees. Against legalism. It is not what you do here. It is not about you keeping score. Good deed. Yes, you should do that. But you... There are no metal police that go around and go, Ooh, you did a good day. Here's a medal. He's saying, listen, they were completely moving from a whole complete tradition of Jewish following. And they had to completely move out of that to follow Christ. Don't let anybody look down on you because you don't do the new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths or you have church on Sunday instead of Saturday. It's who you worship, not whose rules you follow. And he hit legalism in the face with a shovel. Okay, Because it was very... It was very literal. It was very fact. It was this, it was this. We've always done it this way. Look at verse 17. For these new rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ Himself is that reality. They're talking about Him coming back. He's already been there. Verse 18. Don't let anybody condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial of the worship of angels, saying that they had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. He's talking about false teaching. Am I saying that God cannot give people visions? No, I'm not saying that. Can it, am I saying that God cannot speak through dreams still? No, I'm not saying that either. Am I, am I saying that God can't heal? Absolutely not. But people that make up stories is what he's talking about. Look at verse 19. The first part of that verse, their sinful minds have made them proud and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For He holds the whole body together with joints and ligaments and it grows as God nourishes it. We come down to something that you're studying, something that you're looking at, something that you think, man, this would make a huge difference in my life. If it, if it is not, if it is not biblically sound and biblically doctrinally sound and it is not from God, the chances of that changing you in a positive manner are almost zero. Changing you spiritually, it is zero. We have to, we have to plant these roots that we talked about last week. Deep roots. Anybody try to pull the cornstalk out of the ground? I said, like, yeah, I did it like six times. No, you didn't. Okay, okay. I'll take you to some field. They're, they're, dude, they're solid. I'm not saying that you can't do that, but when you get over a cornstalk that has just been cut, and you grab with both hands, and you try to pull straight up, it's strong. And we have a lot of corn, so I use that analogy. Jesus used things in, in their time that they had around them. Look at verse 20. You have died with Christ. He's talking with these people that are, that are Christians. And he says, And He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Paul does not say you can drive as fast as you want to. Paul does not say your neighbor's money 
could be your money. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, oh, you like your neighbor's drill? Just ask him to borrow it and don't return it. He doesn't say that. Okay? He does not say this. He's talking about following the rules of the world. He's talking about legalism. Legalism is a cancer. Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He actually came to improve it, by the way. <laughs> he improved it. He never speaks against the law. In fact, this is what Jesus does. When Jesus is tempted, remember this? Jesus is tempted by Satan and they go to the top of the temple and he goes, just look at it. He says, if you bow before me, you can have it all. This is Satan talking to the creator of the universe. What arrogance. And what does Jesus say? You know, does he, you know, pull out his spiritual... No, he doesn't. He does something even better. He says, no, no. Every knee, including yours, will bow at the foot of my Father. Period. Every time, every time he's 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 come up, he's come up with something that that no, there's no new, there's nothing new here. We we suffer the same things as Jesus suffered, but he didn't sin through them. Anytime it would come up, he go, nope, nope. I have a I have a good enough relationship. By the way, First Corinthians ten thirteen says we will not be tempted beyond what we can handle. That is completely out of context and you most certainly will be tempted and more than you can handle. Do you know why? Because you will have to rely on God to get you out of it. If it was all up to us, we wouldn't even need it. But every time Jesus is, is, is encountered, He responds with Scripture. I would love to see the look on Satan's face during that temptation. Wouldn't you? Just look, Jesus. Now, this is the guy that created this. He knows what it looks like. He's like, let's, let's look at it. If you bow before me, you can have it all. <laughs> Jesus probably went, <laughs> No. Even you. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, he responded with Scripture. It wasn't arrogance. It was with humility and absolute authority. Look at verse 22. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate when we use them. Things of this world will go away. This is what they do. They rust, they dissolve, they cease to exist. This book, left out in the weather or, or eventually, would, de- would deteriorate. I have some really old Bibles that were my great-great-grandparents, and they're at our woodshed in Fairfield. And they're very, very old. They're from the 1800s. But they begin to deteriorate. But these words, these words are 100% eternal. 100%. They don't ever go away. These, these, these human teachings, they go away. These false people. Here's the deal. A couple years ago, you and I know, on the internet, they had this shocking discovery. I loved hearing this. <laughs> because I could answer them without even knowing, knowing, knowing who they were that I was asking it. They said, we have found Jesus' bones. And I read that and I go, no you didn't. <laughs> He's not here. He didn't stay dead. Dead people normally stay that way. I'm not, being, I'm not being funny here. I'm just saying dead people normally stay dead. Jesus was raised three days later. His bones are not what they found. And it was just another thing to say, oh, we don't need to believe that. You don't need to you believe this. 23, these rules may seem wise because they're strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. Listen, there are some religions that practice extreme, 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 extreme 
detail and following things by things by things by things by things just because they've always done it. They're very legalistic. They have great discipline. In fact, some of these, some of these religions mentor in their state their followers very, very well. Not that we should teach our people what they teach, but we should take note of how and how what kind of passion they have to pass this on. It's a big deal. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. No help. That, on, that only comes from Christ. Only. We have to be careful with the rules. Legalism can creep into our mind. I find it very, very gratifying that after this is after these words are after Jesus has already ascended back to heaven. Yet we see a guy that's so passionate about following him that he literally is teaching a lesson here that Jesus taught to the Pharisees over and over and over and over, reiterating. He's passing along the knowledge. Look at your last blank on your on your worship handout. If you don't hear anything else this morning, if you do not hear anything else that I have said, please look at this. Legalism can be very dangerous. Eternal life is not based on what you do here on earth. There are biblical scholars that think that James and Paul disagreed with each other because you hear James talk about works and when you hear Paul talk about grace and faith and salvation, they think, well, they didn't agree. Yes, they did. Taken out of context, once again. Yes, they did. They, they believe that your salvation should cause your good works. You, you should want to follow Christ. You should want to do these things. But eternal life is not based on what you do. I don't care if you're a CEO. I don't care if you own Google. Anybody own Google? No one? Oh, dang. Yahoo? Remember MSN Messenger? <laughs> Eternal life is not based on what you do. I don't care if you're in the Hall... Is anybody in the Hall of Fame of anything? Hall of Fame of the state? Hall of Fame of the sport? Hall of Fame of the coach? NFL? MLB? Hockey? Sweet? We have one. We have a Hall of Fame member in our presence. I don't say this to, to, to enhance what he is, but he would agree with me because his eternal life is not based on becoming a member of a Hall of Fame. It's a great honor. It is. But it does not get you anywhere post this life. God doesn't read your resume. Oh, you're in the Hall of Fame. Sweet. Yeah, come on in. No. No. It is a, it's not about keeping score of the good things. I know people. So do you. Well, I, I, oh man, this drives me insane. Somebody comes up to me and goes, I did my good deed for the day. Good. You were supposed to. Good. It's like, it's like being in a classroom and a, and, a, and a student comes in on time and they go, I'm here. What do I get? Not detention. <laughs> Try that pulling with my parents. Dad, I'm here. <laughs> get, get to work. Congratulations. You've all, you've all told the word. Oh, good, good. So it's not about keeping score. We say, I'm such a good person. I don't cuss. I don't drink. I don't do anything. I don't, I don't do all this stuff. I'm a good person. The reality of the fact is, when you compare your physical self with this, you are a not okay person. You are an evil, sinful, lustful, angry, bad, moral person. You are not good. 
And I know, if you're first time you're in connection, you're like, this guy is weird. He just told me that I'm not good. Apart from the grace of Jesus Christ, you are not good. That's called depravity. You cannot inherit heaven on your own. You have to have this. It is all about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So I ask you today, is He the Lord of your life or is He just somebody that you know? Even the demons knew who Jesus was. They believed in Him. Do you follow Him? In a couple weeks, we're going to celebrate some people externally showing us what God has done inwardly. And it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a great time. But maybe today, you've never heard it this way. Maybe you literally are sitting there going, you know, I'm a pretty good person. Listen, I don't, may not know you personally really well, but I want to tell you, with as much love as I can muster in myself, coming from this holy book, you are not good enough. Because we all have sin, and the wages of sin is death. It doesn't say the wages of sin is heaven. It says the wages of sin is death. So we, we have to look at what Paul's saying here. He, he's not condemning them. He's over in prison, probably going, Go! Go! I can't imagine what kind of cheerleader this man was. He, uh, this kind of encourager. But I can tell you, just from reading these words, look at what kind of follower he was. He was beaten. He was thrown in prison. Wouldn't quit. He even tells the guy one time, he goes, listen, here's the deal. He comes before him, he goes, Paul, listen, dude, just stop preaching. This is my paraphrase. Paul says this. How about no? Not going to. And the guy goes, well, we'll kill you. He's trying to scare me. We'll kill you. He goes, fine, I win. I'm going to heaven. Very frustrated. The guy goes, well, if you go back out of here and we let you go, if you preach again, you're going to come back in prison. You know what Paul says? It's okay. I'll tell more people about Jesus if you let me go. He knew the relationship with Jesus Christ was a must. If that is something that you don't have, I want to ask you something. I want, you to, I want to ask you. I want to challenge you. I want you to come talk to me after church. Go to a classroom or go to somewhere that's quiet, somewhere that's private, and we can talk about this. Okay? We all have a sin problem. But there is a sin solution, and His name is Jesus. It's been great to be with you guys this morning. I love you guys. We'll pray and we'll be dismissed. God, we love you. Thank you for this challenging verses, these challenging verses of Scripture, God. I just ask that, that, we, that we really take this and we do, we do eat this, God. And we, we put it into our, into our bodies and we really, really, really understand that we want to follow. God, help us to take another self-evaluation of ourself. How we're not that good. <laughs> Apart from you, we're not good. God, we need you. We desperately need you. And the fact that I can stand and help to lead a church of people that will openly say, I am a broken, hypocritical person that is in desperate need of a Savior is something that I cannot put into words. Thank you, God, for what we got to celebrate on Friday. Another year. God, may you blow our minds with what you're going to do. That you're going to continue to change people. And God, for those people that may need to make a decision, God, I ask that you give them courage to come and talk to me. In your name that we pray. Amen.